Have any unexplained crazy ghost stories you'd like to share with us? Well, then write into unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. That's right, unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. Send us in a media file or just write in. As simple as that. We hope to hear from you guys soon and thank you for your continued support. What do you do when you realize you have a stalker stalking you as you walk from school to home? A creepy story on a doll from an occult museum and a place to die for as you enter the haunting house of Baker Place. Stay tuned as we dive into these stories on our next episode of Unexpected Haunting. Get ready for an eye-opening podcast that will have you on the edge of your seat. These stories have been approved by my friends to be told, and now they will be shared with you. Now listen if you dare. What's going on, everyone? Ben Shields here, and you're listening to... That's right, everyone. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Unexpected Hauntings. This is episode eight, season two, to be exact. And we are so happy to have you guys on here with us. Um, we love our podcast listeners, and um, we'd love to continue that. So uh, write us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Keep sharing the um, the news that we're out there. We would love to have more and more um, listeners out there and um, that way we can do some more content for you guys we're working more on um, spreading out the news where of course our Facebook page is um, growing um, tremendously right now which is amazing Um, so if you're listening to this through a link on our Facebook page um, make sure to subscribe to our Apple podcast and Spotify uh, and um, really, I think any other um, podcast, um, social media podcasts, listening device, there is. I think we're on Stitcher um, and Google Play or something like that. Um, so, cool. So, just listen to us anywhere. Type in Unexpected Hauntings and um, we should be showing up there on pretty much any listening device there is. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, also, we're going to be working on a YouTube page. Um, don't really know how much content's going to be on there yet. Um, I love doing some videos from time to time, so I might post up some videos um, about some different special episodes. And um, yeah, just uh, want to hear back from you guys. And also, write into us at um, unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com and uh, send us in your ghost stories. Um, of course, you can always send it in as a media file or as a typed up document. Um, we'd love to hear your ghost stories and we'd love to share them on Unexpected Hauntings. We'd love to get out to you guys and reach out to you guys as well. Um, and sorry guys if you hear some fireworks in the background um that is actually because it's memorial day coming up um today is may the 24th 
So the next day is Memorial Day. So if you guys hear some fireworks during the storytelling, I'm sorry. I've got some noisy noisy neighbors. Um, and that'll be going on throughout the, throughout the episode today. Also, I'm going to be do, doing something different. Um, for this episode, I'm just going to be going back to back to back episodes with nothing, no cushion or anything in between. So that way... It'll just be bang, 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 discussion, and um, try that out, and we'll see how that goes for us for today. But anyways, we are going to uh, dive into these stories, and um, let me know what you think. Um, write in, or you can also send us a message on our Facebook page. Um, I just realized that as well. You can write into our Facebook page. So... If you can't get a hold of email, write into us on our Facebook page, our Unexpected Hauntings Facebook page, which we uh, keep updated almost daily. We try to, at least. Um, but anyways, guys, I hope that you enjoy these episodes. And um, like I said, it's going to be uh, story after story. And then at the very end, we're going to be talking about the stories. So anyways, guys, I hope that you guys enjoy some of these stories that are being told. Thank you. So this happened when I was 11 years old in the sixth grade. I'm one of the quiet ones in the class. But one day I was on my sixth period, which is gym, and we do laps. And when we go to the end, we make a turn. And then there's this big fence. And that is where I saw a 30 year old guy waving with a wired grin but can't tell who he was waving at so I just kept running Jim was over so I packed up and got ready to leave home when I was going to the gate in front I saw the same guy now he was looking but he was not grinning no more instead he had a blank expression on his menacing face so I started to speed walk because I was getting scared after I got far away from school, I turned and did not see him, so I was relieved. When I was walking, a blue car pulled up to me and rolled his window down a little bit, but I could not see his face. All I heard was his voice. He said, you look like a nice kid and you're smart. I just smiled and said, thank you, and then he said, my full name. I was shocked that he knew my full name. I asked him how he knew my name, and when, then he rolled his window all the way down, and it was the same guy with the creepy smile. I ran and turned my head back, and his car was still standing there. I was only five minutes away, so I kept running. After I made it to my house, I was sweating. My hands were shaking, and I went outside and locked all my doors and windows and slept in my bed. When I woke up, I wanted to see what time it was, and it was 11.32 p.m. As I got up to get a cup of water, I heard a knock, so I went to see who it was, and who I saw shocked me. It was the smiling guy with an item in his hand. I could not see what it was because the outside lights were off. I thought I was going to faint, I ran to my mom and dad's room and tried to open it, 
It was locked, so I banged loud on the door for help. They got mad at me for waking them up, and I told them there was a creepy guy outside our house. So my dad went and I stayed with my mom, and when my dad came back, he said he saw nothing, and then he heard a sound, so he went to go see what it was. Me staying with my mom, and then I heard a loud muffled scream, and then my mom called the police. The police arrived and my dad was seen holding the man down on the ground. The creepy man had a kitchen knife and was trying to break my window. The police arrested him and took him, took him off in the cop car. It was as if a wave of relief came over me as I saw the creepy man being put into custody. After two days, the police gave information to my dad on what happened. So my dad told me the guy has been stalking me every time I walk home to school and would watch me in my window. I tried to tell my friends, but they didn't believe me. Then it dawned on me what would, ha what would happen if I kept sleeping and did not tell my dad about the stalker that night. If that guy would have broken in my window, he would have found me in my sleep and killed me. Always be on alert for stalkers. And I hope that this story is helpful to you guys. Thank you. Things to see when visiting the Strange Love and Craft Occult Museum, Lacey the Doll. First off, I don't want to have to justify myself or my curiosity. I'm a thrill seeker and chances are that some or even a lot of those who will read this are too. I'm sure too many would pass up the chance to see a private collection of obscure artifacts if it were offered to them. Arms up! The lady in neat office attire told me. I let go of a soft sigh and complied with her demand, shifting my weight uncomfortably as her hands began to roam my upper body. My unease grew when she began patting down the inside of my legs. Couldn't you have gotten Clarence to do this? I muttered sheepishly. Sorry, but no. Standard safety measures. I didn't reply and waited obediently for her to be over with it. She finally got up and smiled at me. There, that's it. You're good to go. I let go of her leaf breath and shook her hand, which she, which she held out to me. I'm Jenna, by the way, she said, glancing me up and down. She chuckled. 
I always thought Clarence's wife would have just as much metal in her as he does. That crapped me up a little, and I grinned a bit. My husband does have a lot of piercings from what he looks like. The Strange Love and Crafted Cult Museum really is the kind of place you'd expect him to work at. When we first met, he bragged about being employed at a place holding obscure items. He told me some smack about haunted dolls, and even though I didn't fully believe him at first, it was enough for me to grow interest. I had always been a sucker for all things creepy and mysterious, and we bonded over his tales. He kept telling me these stories about him working as a security guard at a private museum for cursed, possessed, and general paranormal artifacts. He even proudly showed me the scar on his chest and said he'd gotten it at work. He never took me to see the place, though. I begged and pleaded, but he claimed that there was nothing he could do. Apparently, the museum is accessible to a certain kind of clientele, important people, rich folks, researchers, reporters, and alike. What he hadn't told me until we were engaged was that oftentimes exceptions were made for family members and employees. He later said he'd kept it from me so I wouldn't marry him to get into the museum. I had been plenty furious at him for thinking I would go to such links, but admittedly, I still very much wanted to go. So, I kind of see where he was coming from. Now, Jenna began, straightening out her dress pants, I'll be leading you around. There are no other visitors scheduled for today, so we'll have a lot of time. I'd give you the standard tour, but I feel like that'd be a bit too boring for you. I bet Clarence has already told you quite a few things. So is there something particular you'd like to see? There was the question I'd been waiting for. I motioned for Jenna to give me a second as I fumbled for the piece of paper in my pocket. I had used it to scribble down the items I was most interested in viewing, all of which only known to me through stories my husband had entertained me with or mentioned before at some point. Well, someone's come prepared, Jenna remarked. I took a deep breath and began to read, read out the items I had jotted down. I would like to see Lacey the doll, the music box, the obsidian knife, the beheaded woman's gown, the mummified wor worshipper, and the journal of Ernest Kraft. That's quite a list you got there, Jenna said. I guess we can do, do all that. She paused before adding, Are you sure about the obsidian knife? I frowned. Yeah, why not? Never mind, I figured Clarence might have told you something, but whatever. Let's save the one for last. Come on inside then. We walked across the court over to the large house. It looked a bit like one of these mansions in the horror movies itself, just about ten times more enormous. Upon noticing my question stare, Jenna cleared her throat. The strange love craft museum's artifacts have been held in the buildings ever since it's established in 1891. The house you've, you see before you has always been part of the Kraft estate. Ernest Kraft used to live here with his wife and daughter. 
but after the founding of the museum, they moved to a smaller house, which was also family property, and used this one to store their findings and artifacts. Of course, after Kraft's death, the museum changed ownership. His daughter and her husband continued to take care of it from then on. It's been handed down over generations ever since, but the location has always stayed the same. The crafts must have been rich, I muttered. You bet they were. What about Strangelove, though? I don't even know his first name. Was he wealthy? I don't think so. See, Strangelove is a very mysterious character. His first name, as well as his age, during the time of his partnership with Kraft, are unknown, and many assume Strangelove to be an Elias. Even in Kraft's writing, he's never referred to as anything else. Huh. So why do you guys check everyone on weapons before they come in? Did someone have did something bad happen here? I'm glad you asked. I think that's a good time to introduce you to Lacey. She was the item involved in that very unfortunate incident. Jenna ran her hand through her short dyed hair and sighed. She led me up to the entrance door which stood out from the old facade of the building like a sore thumb. It looked, mo looked modern and sturdy and appeared to be connected to a control panel on the wall right next to it. She leaned over and entered a code, then opened the door and waved for me to follow her inside. The hall we stepped into was large and high, and even though there was a plain chandelier hanging from the ceiling, it was only dimly lit. Paintings of stem-looking people adorned the walls. Fancy, I remarked, looking around the pompous room. This is just the entrance hall. There's nothing special here, but it was decorated to fit the atmosphere. Our visitors are usually very demanding, so we have to sustain the feeling, Jenna explained. You wouldn't believe how easily some folks get bored. It's insulting. Sure, we get, we gotta act accordingly. I nodded the following. I nodded and followed her into one of the hallways leading off sides from the entrance hall. At its end, we found ourselves facing an open doorway framed by two men in shirts and dress pants. Damien, Jason, this is Clarence's wife. Jenna introduced me. I smiled and waved at my husband's co-workers. Nice to meet you guys. I'm Brooke. The two men each shot me a friendly smirk. So you want to go see the dolls? The one on the left inquired. Lacey in particular, I replied. Oh, damn. Good choice, I guess. The man remarked, looking over to his companion. He added, Time to show off your hand, Damien. Damien sighed and stepped forth, holding out his hand to me. For a moment, I wasn't sure what he was doing, till my eyes fell onto the large white scar in the middle of his back. He flipped his hand, exposing his palm, and I found there was a there to be a similar shape and place scar as well. He cleared his throat. Five years ago, a visitor got possessed by Lacey. Back then, we didn't check for weapons and only relied on the security per personnel, really. 
he smuggled a knife and came running at us. Then he was trying to get the doll out of here. He was under her control, of course. So we tried to take the knife from him without hurting him. Jason here only got a few scratches, but that little so-and-so got me good. Right through the hand. I regarded him with wide eyes. I felt a mix of anticipation and fright growing within me. You ready? Jenna, Jenna asked. So ready, I murdered, muttered. Damien laughed and stepped, up, stepped aside, motioning for Jenna and me to enter the room the two had been guarding. Have fun, she called after us. And Jenna, you know the standard protocol, no touching with bare hands. So taking pictures without asking permission, I've been working here longer than you, she retorted, chuckling as she turned to face me. It's not, it's nice not having to pretend. I don't know my co-workers when leading someone around for once. All the other high, highly esteemed visitors, her tone had changed into a mocking tone, have us talk like we're robots or some shit. Otherwise, they wouldn't feel special. I grinned and Jenna rolled her eyes and grimaced before wincing, at, winking at me. Take your time to look around. There's a bunch more than just Lacey in here, after all. It was only then that I actually began to take in the sight before me. We were standing in a spacious room, which somehow still managed to look cramped, with all the shelves and showcases lining the walls. The air was musty, warm, and stale. A instinctively unzipped, I instinctively unzipped my sweater and I let it drop to my hips, trying, tying it around my waist. My eyes began roaming the shelves. They held dozens of what looked like small packages. They were almost identical the only real very only really varied in size stepping closer to one of the showcases i found that it held a rather large rag doll it was a boy doll about the size of a toddler and dressed in cowboy attire a little shawl brown vest tiny boots a floppy head it was almost cute despite not being very well made it was sitting well, fingerless hands obediently folded in its lap. We call that one Ethan. He's not much trouble. Moves around here from time to time, but only when someone's looking. He likes the attention, but that's about it. Is that why you keep him on display? Yep, we show off the we show off all the do docile ones and keep the more dangerous ones tucked away. She gestured to the packages on the shelves around us. What are you seeing there? What you're seeing here are both troublesome ones, as well as ones we suspect to be. That, that means they are at risk of being related to the occult, but we don't know for sure, so we take precautions just in case. I nodded wordlessly, looking around, glancing over at Ethan's showcase. I noticed that one of the doll's hands was now resting on the floor right next to it. I nudged Jenna excitedly, but she just shrugged. 
That's nothing, she said, looking unimpressed. I can't stand, he can stand upright even though there's just stuffing inside him. See it, seen it myself. He's lazy today, it seems. She led me over to a file cabinet, reached into her pocket and produced a key ring. And produced a key ring. She hummed quietly as she began searching through the keys before choosing a very small one and unlocking the top drawer. Before reaching inside, though, she grabbed a box of disposable latex gloves resting atop the cabinet and handed me a pair before putting some on herself. People have reported a lasting itching and stinging sensation after touching Lacey, she explained. She produced a gray cloth bag from the drawer and slowly unwrapped its contents. Inside from a wooden inside aside from a small wooden crucifix and glass vial filled with a colorless translucent liquid, an inconspicuous plastic doll came forth. That's holy water, Jenna said, as she put aside the vial and picked up the doll. She was holding it with such care and gentleness that I almost felt like it could break. It just almost felt like I could break it just by looking at it for too long. Brooke, meet Lacey the doll. I swallowed. Lacey was pretty. She was wearing a green and yellow hippie dress, which together with her styled blonde hair looked like something straight out of the 70s. Her large blue eyes stared at me vacantly. I'm not sure what I expected. Perhaps a feeling of dread or the room suddenly turning cold. Neither of these things happened, though. The doll seemed so innocent. You don't look too impressed, Jenna remarked. I wasn't sure how to respond. Before I could say anything, she went on. That's not surprising. Lacey only affects people when they're holding it or and on their own. Dizzy spells, hearing voices, and visions are the most common occurrences. Oh, I muttered. May I? Sure, but you have to ask the doll first. I shrugged and bit down a bit, looking Lacey in the eyes. May I hold you, please? A short period of silence ensued. I wasn't certain to wait for an answer. I looked up at Jenna with a questioning face. She won't respond if that's what you're hoping for. We, a we ask out of courtesy. She prefers being treated politely. So, is it okay for me to hold her? I think so, Jenna said. She carefully handed me the doll, and I took it with uncertain, trembling fingers. Lacey was gifted to a young girl named Allison on her ninth birthday in June 1974. The doll quickly became a beloved plaything play to her, but as Allison grew older, she grew her apathy towards her, her old toys. Lacey found herself discarded, tucked away in some dusty corner of the family's home's attic. When Allison was around 16 or 17, she had her first contact with the occult. Her and her friends began to read up on certain rituals meant to summon spirits from realms other than our own. It's hard to tell why they did it. Maybe out of rebellion or defiance. Maybe they were bored. 
or maybe they simply thought it was interesting that wouldn't make them all that different from you and me would it whatever the case one night allison and two of her female friends planned on conducting one such ritual they planned on summoning an entity but not the spirit of a decay deceased mind you they had everything set up however they would need to offer the being of a vessel it was then that Lacey the doll met her new purpose the details of the ritual are unknown most happenings of the night of the ceremony appear to have been wiped from the memory of all those involved what we do know however is that after the gall after the girls utilized an empty storage unit rented by one of their parents to perform the summoning Allison took the doll home with her she was sitting on the young woman's nightstand when her mother found her in the morning was she dead I whispered Jenna's monologue had been captivating she had given this speech countless times before no doubt her grave tone and low voice had caused tension I was hesitant to break she gave me a thin-lipped smile no Allison was very much alive she was curled up at the foot of her bed facing the doll and repeating the word stop over and over again she would lash out when being approached batting away the hands of anyone who tried to touch her she was otherwise unresponsive her parents had no choice but to commit her to a mental institution of course that left them home alone with the doll Allison's mother began to experience terrifying nightmares and both she and her husband noticed the typical signs of a haunting in their home objects were being displaced electricity malfunctions happened on a regular basis and Lacey herself seemed to move on her own accord disappearing from where she had been left only to reappear in different locations around the house this prompted the couple to bring the doll into strange 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 clove and crafts in September 1981 for a long time no one here was certain about the nature of the entity possessing the doll investigations were made and other two girls which were involved in the ritual were questioned as I said earlier they yielded no results the next remarkable incident happened very recently it was the one Damien told you about believe it or not but we actually had Lacey on display back then one of the dolls spectators however appeared to grow especially enraptured even though nobody noticed it during the rest of the tour either way he returned the next day brandishing a knife and well you know the rest Damien and Jason managed to subdue him and he ended up snapping out of it he's okay now he had a meetup with a local priest right afterwards that fixed him up what about Allison did she ever recover Jenna shook her head sadly not she's been transferred to a care home after they tried out all sorts of treatments including getting her into contact with several priests from what I've heard she can act on her own and isn't as unresponsible unresponsive anymore but she has lost her ability to speak 
The only thing she can say is, stop. She still experiences panic attacks one on an more or less regular basis. It's quite tragic in my opinion. A single bad decision has kept her from leading a normal life. Or at least the kind of life she would have had if she hadn't attempted to utilize the powers beyond her understanding. I looked down at the doll in my hands in disbelief. It looked so innocent. I wanted to witness it. I needed to see it for myself. Will you let me be alone with it? If you're sure that's what you want. Not longer than five minutes though, for safety reasons. If you get scared, just call for me. I'll be right outside. I nodded and watched as Jenna walked off, leaving me on my own with Lacey. I lifted the doll's face level with me. Its painted on blue eyes were still perfectly lifeless. I didn't feel threatened by her at all. Therefore, what happened next caught me completely off guard. The room around me began to spin. The shelves and showcases showcases turned into a dizzying mess of warm dark colors a throbbing pain took over my head it was pounding in my ears and occupying my senses i couldn't see nor hear i could not even feel the doll in my hands anymore and soon lost my balance i knew from the way my weight shifted that i was falling but there was no pain when my body hit the floor The Haunting of Baker Place Sometimes places bring out the worst in people, my dad always used to say. Now that I'm older, I realize that he had it backwards. Sometimes it's people that bring out the worst in places. The old Baker house was one such place. It was the spring of 69 when we moved there, and from the minute we passed through the gated entrance, I knew there was something I didn't like about the property. My brother Stanley, just eight at the time, put it best. This place gives me the creeps, he said, and creepy it was. A great marble statue, perhaps a couple centuries old, watched us as we pulled up to the front of the manor. The sculpture was a man, perhaps an old caretaker, whoever it was. He was dressed in a dashing suit with a rakish hat rested on his head. He had the look of an old military colonel, and I realized that once upon a time, this mansion must have been a sight to behold. The hands of time had not been kind to this place, though. Here and there, boards covered up the windows, evidently broken by vandals throughout the years. Vines twisted their way into every crevice and weaved over the surface like spider webs. Dank air, heavy and wet, covered everything, rotting away wood and peeling back the last remaining wisps of paint. Only a few stray beams of light could penetrate the army of oak trees, which hung over every square inch of the sprawling grounds. It needs some work, my father remarked, but this is home now. To be sure, it was an unsettling place at times, but there couldn't be a more perfect place for my brother and I to explore. The grounds were enormous, with groves of, and ponds 
peppering the acres of land in a never-ending maze. The house itself had countless rooms to examine, and I wondered how on earth somebody could ever need, such, need so much living space. Still, it was good to have so many places to play, because my brother and I had a hard time making friends in school. It was always tough being the new kid, and I missed my friends back in Missouri. People in California had funny accents, I thought, and I didn't understand the kid's sense of humor. A lot of them made fun of me. They said that the Baker house was haunted and that the ghosts inside were going to kill me. I didn't believe them, at least not at first, but I had to admit that some strange things started happening around the house. Nothing too crazy. It's not like a monster jumped out from under my bed and tried to eat me or anything. It was more sub subtle than that. Little things around the house would rearrange themselves in places they weren't supposed to be. Trinkets would disappear from time and then days later pop up without explanation. Back in Missouri, my mom would often bring us over to visit my grandmother. And while the kids would go outside to play, my mom and grandmother would sit inside and chat over the cups of tea. They'd sit next to my grandmother's wooden coffee table so that they could keep an eye out on us. The window. And then they'd talk about life and bring up old memories from the past. When my grandmother passed away, she left the coffee table to my mom, and it became my mother's most prized possession. The first thing she did when she moved into the Baker house was move the coffee table squarely into the center of the family room. There, she said, it's beginning to feel like home already. A week later, I came downstairs to find my parents in a fuss. My mom looked upset, and my dad was trying to smooth things over. Ryan, my mom said to me, did you move the coffee table? Sure enough, the coffee table, which had previously been situated in the center of the living room, was now crudely flipped upside down and shoved into the corner wall. No, I told her. I didn't do anything. I was, I was playing upstairs with Stanley. It wasn't just the coffee table, though. All the other furniture in the living room had been rearranged. We had situated the couch facing the windows so that we could look outside when we sat down. Somehow, it had been flipped around so that it was facing the wall. The television where my brother would sit and watch the Flintstones on Saturday mornings was unplugged and flipped on its side. My mom turned white as a sheet. Go to your room, she said angrily, and don't come out until you're ready to admit what you've done. I guess I'd been grounded. Other strange, star other strange things started happening in the coming days, and my parents went from blaming me for being naughty to be worried that maybe something more insidious was at play. I could tell by the way they whispered to each other that they thought something was wrong, and when I tried to fall asleep at night, I could hear them arguing in the next room over. One night, after we had gone out grocery shopping, we came home to find out find that all the picture frames in the entire house were flipped upside down. Not just the ones hung on the walls either, but every single portrait in the entire house. The one of my grandfather, the picture of my dad from when we when he joined the navy, 
my brother's school picture, all of them, rearranged without reason. It was pretty unsettling, but hard to pinpoint exactly what the cause was. I could see that my mother was pretty stressed, but my father was just trying to calm everyone down. We had to come we had come too far to go back now. Look, he said one day. This is a big adjustment for all of us, but this is going to be good for our family. We're going to have a better life out here, you'll see. As if to sweeten the deal a little more, one day he burst through the front door with a special surprise for me and my brother. It was a puppy, a golden retriever, and who he named Max. He was a fluffy ball of joy, still fuzzy with his baby fur, and always on the lookout for an opportunity to play. For a while, my brother and I forgot all about the furniture in the house and the bullies at school. We just laughed and played and chased, Matt, chased Max around the yard without a care in the world. Still, the happiness didn't last for long. After school one day, I came home to my, find my mom crying hysterically on the couch. What's the, ma- what's the matter, Mom? I asked. She just pointed wordlessly at the kitchen, and I saw that all the cabinets had been torn open. Their contents varied pots and pans Wooden bowls and silverware were strewn carelessly across the floor. It looked as if somebody had robbed the place. My mom, as she explained, had been cleaning the bathroom upstairs when all of a sudden she heard a loud bang come from the kitchen. She assumed it was just a creak like most old houses are known to make and didn't think anything of it. When When she heard it again, she rushed downstairs to see the mess in the kitchen. Dad came home early from work, and my mother explained the situation. Dad was certain that somebody had broken in, but my mother had other ideas. The house, she was now convinced, was haunted. Never the superstitious type, my father dismissed the idea and called the police to investigate. The officers surveyed the ground, looking for some evidence of a break-in, but found nothing. It was unlikely that somebody had broken in. They said most likely it was just a strong gust of wind that had blown everything off the shelves. Never mind the fact that the window had been closed. Later that night, I was asleep in my bed, and when I felt a tap on my shoulder, it was my brother. Stan, I snapped. Go back to bed. It's the middle of the night. Ryan, I'm scared, he whimpered. There's a ghost outside. Alarmed, I shot out of bed and ran up to the window still. It was dark, so it took a minute for my eyes to adjust. There wasn't much moonlight, but I could still make out some of the objects familiar to me in the backyard. There was the patio table with chairs and wispy flowers blowing in my mother's garden. I don't see anything, I said, but I spoke too soon. Next to the shed, past a rusty old wheelbarrow, I could see that something was moving in the darkness. It was a woman twirling around like a ballerina, her white dress trimmed with lace, flickering back and forth as she glided across the lawn. I screamed and barreled into my parents' bedroom. Mom! Dad! I panicked, shaking them awake. There's a ghost outside! 
My father opened his eyes, half confused, half horrified, and quickly grabbed his 12-gauge from the cabinet. I ran back to the window still and watched as my father sprinted outdoors, shotgun in hand, still wearing his striped blue pajamas. By now, the woman in white was already gone. I think you've been reading too many of those scary stories, my father said as an ex- at, said with an at, exasperated sigh. There's nobody out there. Go back to bed. I could tell that my mother was not so convinced. She shot my father a concerned look that seemed to say, We'll talk about this in the morning. April turned into May, and then May turned into June, until finally the last day of school arrived. My brother and I always walked home from school together, and after the bell rang, I sprinted outside while thoughts of summer adventures filled my head. I normally met my brother next to a stop sign at the school entrance. Usually Stan was there before me since the elementary school was closer to the main road than the middle school. Today, though, I arrived before him and waited anxiously as the other kids passed by. Minutes ticked on and finally I started to get annoyed. Where the heck is he? I thought. Finally I realized that Stan wasn't coming and I decided to leave without him. He must have gone home without me, I told myself. After all, he was probably excited for summer vacation and forgot that he was supposed to meet me. When I walked in the front door, though, my mother threw me a dirty look. Why are you late? she asked, and then looked me up and down. And where is your brother? I shrugged, telling her defensively. I waited for him, but he never came. I thought he went home without me. My mother's face contorted into worry. No, he isn't home. I thought he would be with you. I thought he would be with you like he always is. She said tearless. I think that's how you say it. Tersely? Okay. She said tersely. My mother went into a panic now. Realizing that Stanley was late and nowhere to be found. I admit that even I was starting to feel nervous too. Mom waited to call the police right away, certain that Stan had gotten lost, or was hurt, or even worse. My father, on the other hand, while definitely concerned, jumped to less deadly conclusions. He's probably just causing trouble with his friends, he soothed her. When I was a boy his age, I always... Look, I was always looking for the next commotion to get into. Mom looked at him incredulously, so my father added, But if he's not back in a couple of hours, we'll call the cops. Just as my father was about to reach for the phone, I saw somebody walking up the driveway. It was dark by now, but I could tell by their short stature and lumpy knapsack that the person was none other than my kid brother. I could tell... If my mother, I couldn't tell if my mother was going to burst into tears of happiness or if she was going to lay into, lay into Stan and ground him for a month. It seemed that she couldn't decide either. What were you thinking? She asked. Why does a sheet followed, by, followed with, Thank God you're home. I was so worried. With that, she wrapped my brother in a tight embrace. After a period of time where I thought, she might never let my brother go, Stan finally pushed himself away. Sorry, Mom, Stanley said. 
I was out playing with my new friend. We met on the way home from school. My mother seized Stanley by the shoulders. Well, don't scare me like that, she said, but softened it with, What's your friend's name? Charlie, my brother shrugged. And with that, my mother seemed ready to calm down. At last, she was satisfied with Stanley was safe. I bet she never slept as well as she did that night. A day later, my brother and I were home alone, down, uh, playing downstairs with our set of tinker toys. All of a sudden, we heard a violent bang from upstairs. What was that? I asked my brother. Stan shrugged, afraid to say what we both knew. It was the woman in white, back again. I grabbed a poker from the fireplace and, brandishing the pole menacingly, crept upstairs to the halfway above, hallway above. Shh, I motioned to my brother. A few steps behind me and quietly, quietly pushed open each of the doors on the second floor. I tapped each one open with my foot and then raised the poker in hand, ready to strike the ghostly woman that I was cer- certain stood inside. One by one, each door opened, and each one turned out to be empty. Nobody was there, but Stan and I looked at each other seriously. We both knew what we heard. After we walked back downstairs, we realized that something was different. Our tinker toys were still strewn across the floor, just as we had left them, but something we realized that some but something we realized that something was off. Where's Max? my brother asked. It was a good question. I looked around the I look, looked around and realized that our little puppy was nowhere to be found. We searched downstairs, peering into the living room, the dining room, and the kitchen. He was gone. It seemed left without a trace. My brother and I ran outside and called to him, thinking that he'd been a score thinking that he had seen a squirrel and somehow escaped outside. I even thought Max's favorite toy, the one shaped like a bone with a squeaker inside, and thought he would come to the noise, but not even that would bring him back. Of course, my brother and I were both sobbing when my parents came home. My dad reassured us that Max would come back. He had just ran away for a little while, he explained. He had some signs with a picture of Max and our phone number so that people could bring him home to us if anybody found him. And Dad drove us around town, stapling them to all the utility poles. I didn't sleep well that night, and I tossed and turned for hours trying to put my mind at rest. All I could think about was Max. Where was he? Was he okay? Was he scared? Did he miss us? Just when I was about to slip away into the darkness of sleep, I heard something that made me sit up straight. It was a creaking floorboard from the hallway. Quietly, I pulled the covers off and crept out of bed, slowly opening the door. I peered out into the hallway. There was that creaking noise again, but this time I saw there I saw where I was coming where it was coming from. There was the woman in white, standing in the hall, head bent down with her hair flowing towards the floor. She was standing in front of my brother's bedroom. One of her hands, pale and ghostly, stretched up lifelessly towards the wooden door frame. 
her arm sleeve loosely slumping down to her elbow with a cold finger. She took one of her long fingernails and gently scratched at the entrance. I couldn't help but gasp, and even though I tried to stifle the sound with my hand, the woman's head snapped up. She twisted her head to the side to face me, revealing wavy black hair with a pale complexion. Her dress was white like before, but this time I noticed a smattering of blood smeared across her stomach. The woman in white curled her mouth into a sadistic smile and put a finger to her lips. I started to cry now, and streams of tears rolled down my face. Something resembling a kind of sob came out of my mouth as hot panic bubbled up inside my my chest. Mom! Dad! I shouted, turning to my parents' room. Judging by the resulting of sheets and the stomp of feet hitting the floor, my parents were rushing out of bed. The faint clink of my father's shotgun resonated behind the door and sure enough my father burst from inside the bedroom with a look of vengeance on his face what he said what's going on the ghost is back i said pointing back to my brother's room but she was already gone my dad frantically rushed past me and poked into my brother's room after ascertaining that stan stan was safe He quickly moved through the rest of the rooms in the house. Wherever the ghost had come from, she was gone now. After surveying the grounds outside, Dad came back and shaking his head. There's nobody here, he said. I was not convinced, though. I knew what I saw. For the longest time, I could tell my dad was skeptical about the ghost to my brother and I had been seeing. I don't think that he thought my brother and I were lying exactly, but he must have thought the stress from the move was taking its toll on us. My mother was still adamant that the house was haunted. Maybe we should call a priest, she suggested, but my father would have none of that. I don't want any of those religious quacks coming around here, he dismissed. The next day, though, changed everything. We were sitting around the kitchen table eating breakfast, still groggy from the night before, when my father asked me to go outside and fetch the mail. I did as he asked and ran down to the mailbox to grab the newspaper. Something looked different about the mailbox compared to normal, but the morning sun was shining so brightly in my eyes that I couldn't see clearly. Something appeared to be hanging from the mail post. As I moved closer, I realized the horror what it was, and I felt sick to my stomach. Hung from the mailbox by a strand of wire around its neck was the stiff body of a baby golden retriever. It was Max. I realized and I could see several bloodied openings in his hardened fur that it looked like stab wounds. I threw up all over the driveway and ran up to ran up to the house crying hysterically what's the matter my mother asked dismayed my mother asked dismayed i couldn't even put into words what i wanted to say and just pointed outside my father accustomed to a state of panic by now but his cough put his coffee down and walked outside while my mom held me in her arms when he came back inside he was white as a sheet 
I had never seen him so caught off guard before. He was always the type of person who knew exactly what to do. But now he he was simply looking off into the distance, totally stunned by by what he had seen. What is it? My mother asked with a worried look. My father bent down and whispered something in her ear that made my mother gasp. Her eyes widened with a panic. The police arrived later that morning and I was relieved that they took Max away so I wouldn't have to see him again. I felt a little guilty thinking that way because he was my dog and I loved him, but I just couldn't bear the sight of seeing his mutilated body. My parents flickered or my parents flicked on the television set while they talked with the police. Being allowed to watch cartoons all morning should have made me giddy with joy, but I couldn't get over the feelings of sadness and panic. No matter what I did, I just could not get the images of Max's body hung from the mailbox out of my head. After the police left, my mom and dad sat us down and explained that we were going to be leaving for a while. Pack your things, Dad said. Bring all your clothes, some books, whatever you'll need. We won't be coming back for a while. By that night, we were gone. Days went by, followed by weeks, and finally I realized that we weren't ever going to going back to the old Baker place again. We were gone for good in the meantime. We settled into a hotel about, a, about an hour north of Los Angeles so that my father could still keep his job, and for a while things seemed to return to normal. Still the thoughts of the ghostly woman always haunted me. I wondered who she was, and whether she was the one who had killed my dog. One August morning, my father was reading the newspaper when he set his coffee down with a sharp thud. Clearly, whatever he was reading was a great interest. What is it? my wife asked. My father raised his eyebrows and handed the newspaper over. It read, Ritualistic Slangs, Sharon Tate, Four other mur- four other Others Murdered. Apparently a famous movie actress had been brutally murdered at her home not far from us. Certainly it was scary and the horrific nature of the crime unsettled me. But I didn't think much of it. Murders in the newspaper were the sort of thing that happened to other people. Things like that never happened to people like us. Or so I believed, until I sat down in front of the television with my mom and dad one night. The evening news was on and a group of mugshots were displayed across the screen. These people, the headlines explained, had been arrested in connection with the murder of Sharon Tate. They're calling themselves They're calling them the Mason family, my mother explained with disgust. I was surprised to see how many of the mugshots were of women. One of them in particular had a face that seemed familiar. Her name, the newscaster explained, was Susan Atkins. But I always knew her as the woman in white. Wow. All right, guys. Um, well, now that we're done with these stories, I wanted to do just a little bit of a discussion. Um, what did you guys think about, uh, just going to go down the list of the stories in order. Um, what would you guys do if you found out you had a stalker stalking you? 
um, as this person did, um, stalking you as you leave school to go to your house. Um, that is a uh, pretty wild shit right there. Um, and the creepy thing is, it's like the person didn't even know anything and didn't pick up on it for who knows how long. And then finally picks up on it and it's like, okay, this guy is creeping up on me and, um, I'm going to get some proof on it and shit. So, and the thing that was creepy or crazy not creepy, but crazy, was that her friends, or his friends, it really doesn't say, um, is that the friends don't even um, believe him, or her, Um, and some friends those are, right, but um, who knows, we don't know the background of this storyteller, so we don't really know um, what this person's like, could be over-exaggeration type person and they'll just be like oh they're just, they're just over exaggerating which I can understand but um damn I'm glad that they captured him though that's that's insane so they they um he was gonna break in with a knife and that was bone chilling creepy at the end where it it kind of went to a real realization to where it's like okay if I wouldn't have caught this person if I wouldn't have seen this person then I might have been dead. Now that, that like, gave me chills when I read that. It was insane. I don't know if you guys got that same vibe when I was reading that as well, but damn. There's probably been instances in our lives where it's like, okay, if I didn't do this or if I didn't do that, then a positive outcome wouldn't have come out of it. Or... I wouldn't have still been alive. I don't know if there's some instances where it's like that for you. You'd have been like, "Oh shit, I would have still not I would have not been alive if this wouldn't have happened." That is this kind of instance right here um that this person is having. So, uh um this <laughs> insane story by um by a awesome writer. Uh thank you for that story of that uh the creeper story is probably what I'll just call it. And, um, I hope that you guys enjoyed that laugh at the end. (laughs) Um, some of our crew came up with that and sent me in that file. So I kind of slipped that in and, um, it was pretty, pretty great. Came, it went really well with the story. So I popped it in. Hopefully I can do more kind of like sound effects, if you will. Um, towards stories like that and um, hopefully we can have some more fun with that as well but uh, moving on to the next story um, discussion the strange love and craft occult museum um, was a really cool read it's actually a series um, out there and um, I just thought that the lacy doll is what really kind of stuck out to me uh, the most, of course, because I fucking think that dolls are creepy as hell. I mean, who doesn't really? And of course, clowns. You, you, if you've listened to my late my um, previous um, episodes, there, there, I'm scared of clowns as well. Um, so clowns and dolls are definitely, you know, fucking scary 
scary thing out there to me. Um, but Lacey the doll kind of stuck out. And it's one of those instances where the doll looks in the story like... I like how she goes into detail of how the doll looks. And how it's... The doll is like... Looks, you know, harmless. And looks friendly and like... Any girl would probably want this doll, right? If they wouldn't have known the background story of it. And it's got a deep background uh, story to it. A deep, dark background story if you want to be more uh, detailed in that way. Um, But um, I thought it was pretty crazy that she had her husband at well at the time they're they're dating and then now of course there it sounds like they're married um that he'd been working there and said that there's some crazy shit that happened here um come and see me at my job um come see me come see and um see what i do at work um and uh seems like she had some fascination with the uh cult and paranormal as well so um I don't know. I would be very interested to hear the other stories, like the Obsidian Knife. They emphasized a lot in the Obsidian Knife. They're like, are you sure about this? So hopefully um, I can get a story on the Obsidian Knife for you guys. That would be really cool because that sounds, the way they put it and everything sounds creepy as hell. So um, hopefully I can get that Obsidian, Obsidian Knife story for you guys. Um... But I just thought that the Lacey the doll was crazy as well. Um, And of course, when she's in the room, (laughs) what really blew my mind was she's requested to be in the room alone with it. Would any of you guys want to be alone with a fucking um, deranged, fucked up doll that could, I don't know, do something crazy to you? Would you want to be in there by yourself? Hell no. <laughs> um, but no, she does that. She's damn. She's brave as as brave as fuck, really. <laughs> but um, she does it, and the room, of course, turns and everything. I thought that was pretty pretty crazy. It's definitely something out of like a horror movie, for real. Um, but. Um, but yeah, I did some reading on the story, of course, and Lacey the doll is real. Um, and uh, decided it'd be neat to share with you guys, as as most of the times I tie the stories that I tell you are real that happen. Um, so I try to keep it that way. If it's fiction, I tell you guys straight up, hey, this is a fiction story. It's you know. But, of course, the Strange Love and Craft Occult Museum is real. I'm sure if you Google it, you could probably find it. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I guess we'll go on to the third discussion story. Um, which is... What was The Haunting of Baker Place. Um, which... Sad, sad story about that, uh, that puppy... Um, getting mutilated on the mailbox, which, um, really, I don't know. I'd love to hear you guys, um, hear you guys as, um, like, 
what do I want to say it as? Um, perception, I guess, on if this is a ghost or not um, that did this to this poor puppy because that would take a lot of fucking energy to be able to do that to a dog. Um, and it makes me wonder if it was a possession and it could have possessed someone to do this to the puppy. Um, because it would have had to have been a human that did this. Um, but send in your thoughts, really. Um, shoot us a uh, message on our Facebook page or write us in to unexpectedhaunting739 at gmail.com. And let us know what you guys think about this. If it's a ghostly, um, ghostly encounter with this poor puppy that gets, um, that gets pretty much tormented to death, um, put to put it lightly. But um, yeah, that place was pretty crazy. I, I would have loved to seen pictures of the place, though. It sounded like a nice, charming place. Um, by the sound of it with all that land and the the mansion-esque type deal where they uh the house that they stayed in um would have been some really cool pictures if they um showed those in which sometimes in stories i do have pictures and i will ask um ask that person if i can post them on um social media and if i do that i will definitely let you guys know but um no pictures on that mansion yet but um anyways though i thought that that was a pretty wild thing uh didn't really emphasize on that little ghost that he found on his way home um which was a sounded like a a male ghost that kind of helped him on his way home but uh, the woman in black, wo- the woman in white, my bad, not the woman in black. <laughs> the woman in white, though, it seems that she was an actress that died. So that was interesting um, as well. So you never know what kind of ghost you'll run into. And then what was really crazy about that was they found um, they found it in the news. They were just watching TV and then they heard about some type of death, um, actors' deaths and stuff like that, and then they looked at the pictures on there. I would have lost my shit if I saw if I saw a uh, fam- uh, um, familiar face on the TV and um, put that together with the ghost that I saw. I mean, shit, that's this. <laughs> Insane. That's I, I would just lose my shit if I saw that and be like, oh, fuck. I saw that ghost outside of our house. Um, and um, that's crazy, too. I wonder what kind of attachment this ghost had to the house. And that's what they said in the story as well. They were still trying to figure that out. But um, hopefully I can get some more awesome stories like this to you guys. Normally I don't have some super long stories but um i thought it was about time to shoot you guys some more long episodes or long not long episodes but long stories to the episodes um because i noticed that they've been kind of short lately and i know that you guys mostly like the long episodes so i'm gonna try and do that and get some more better content out there for you guys 
because um, these were some amazing stories. I'm not going to lie. Um, but anyways, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode of Unexpected Hauntings. Thank you guys for being diligent listen- listeners. And um, thank you for con- for your continued support. Thank you guys and have a wonderful night. <laughs>